You're listening to a powerful message from the Overcomers Church World Outreach. We believe the word of God you receive today will bring restoration and transformation to your life. We invite you to worship with us. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website, www.overcomersgrace.org. God bless you as you listen to his word in Jesus' name. So it is 2020 Jericho experience. And um, this, um, this, this year, we're looking at never again, never again. And um, today, I have the privilege to come share with you um, on ending poverty and financial struggles. And I'm sure that this is what everyone would really would like to you know, hear because everybody considers finances very important. I, I actually had the opportunity to share with the youths, really, from a professional perspective, um, what they could do to you know, weather the storm, particularly given the COVID experience. But today, we're looking deep into the scriptures, and we're trying to see how godly intervention or the intervention from God can change things concerning our lives. Uh, I recall the reading the Bible about the Jericho experience. Um, it was something that was humanly stupid, that was not sensible to just walk around a wall and um, seven times and on the seventh, I mean for seven days and on the seventh day just shout and expect something to happen. Because with God, things work differently. And um, while we look to natural laws, we also expect that the spiritual laws have impact on things that happen to us on a daily basis. And so I want to believe that you have a date and a time with the Lord, and I believe that the very presence of the Lord and the power of God will bring that needed change in your life, in your finances and your affairs in the name of Jesus. Let's share a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you bring light to your word. I pray that you would bring power to your word. You bring understanding to your word. And Lord Almighty, the, the intervention we need today, I pray you would bring into our lives in Jesus' name. Once again, I want to have a time to say thank you for inviting me here to share this pulpit. Thank all the pastors as well and everyone who is a minister at the um, Overcomers um, Church World Outreach. I'd like to start with a scripture, and this is probably a scripture you know. 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm reading verse 1 through verse 7. 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm reading verse 1 through to verse 7. A certain woman, certain woman, name withheld. She wasn't named. Um, it's not, it doesn't really matter really what the name is, but what, what matters really is what happened to her. And we can pick a few lessons from what happened to her and then put that, infuse that into our lives and believe that the power of God will activate the experience that she had in your lives. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be slaves. So Elijah said unto her, Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, Your hand, uh, your maid servant, has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go, 
Borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons uh, 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 behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is no other vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God and said, And he said, Go, sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Let's look at this scripture. A few things I want to bring out first from the scripture. There was a man who feared God, a man who was righteous, a man who was supposedly one of the prophets in training, one of the sons of the prophets. And I would expect that this man followed Elisha, so one of the people that actually supported Elijah, Elisha, you know, and worked with him. Now, this man had a family, and while he lived, he borrowed money. He was in debt, and um, he died in the process. And then it came to pass that the creditors came after the woman and were going to take the two sons as slaves in repayment of the debt. What do we learn here? That's an aberration, as I can see. Something is not quite right. How can a man be faithful to God? How can a man serve God yet in debt? How can an ugly situation come suddenly to a poor widow whose husband had been faithful to God? And if the woman said to Elisha, you know your servant. Your servant feared the Lord. And so we have similar situations today, particularly amongst Christians. We've seen that even non-Christians have issues or don't have issues with finances. Everybody has issues with finances. And even today, there are issues with finances. More so that we are coming out of um, this COVID situation and how that has impoverished a lot of economies, including ours as well. Some people have lost their jobs, there's no doubt that some people are actually struggling as well. Um, some people have financial difficulties. Businesses are struggling today, and I, I see that quite clearly. And not to talk of those who before now were unemployed. And, um, and you have people actually who are typically struggling financially and they live in abject poverty. And the question I ask is, where is God in all of this? Does God really have a say? Can God bring that intervention. I think my answer, of course I'm convinced that my answer is yes. And so it was with this woman. It's an aberration, really, that if you could serve the Lord who owns all things, to say the silver and gold is mine, the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. And he owns all things, and he can give to everyone and anyone. I have been a, I mean, a witness to what God can do, how he can turn things around. And how God can change things, and even at where there is need, he could perform miracles. Oftentimes, we expect that when God is to intervene in our lives, something happens. God is not a magician. There are principles that govern finances or finances, even in the church, in the household of God. And it's important that we are aware of it. Now, first of all, this was a man of God that had absolutely no clue how to manage finances. 
He didn't even know how to manage his own, his, own, his own income. And he went and borrowed. And he couldn't pay back. Yes, we could say that he probably didn't have the livelihood and the means by which he could pay, but it is not a testimony to be in debt. God is not glorified when we are in debt. God is not glorified when we borrow and we're not able to meet up what we, uh, we borrowed. God expects that he who borrows should pay. God expects that we should be able to be accountable for who we are and for what we are. And more so as a child of God, God expects that you prosper. Above all things, you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So even as you're prospering spiritually in the things of God, it is the expectation of God that you also prosper financially. It's the expectation of God that you do well in your affairs. You should be able to provide, at least, for your daily needs. You should be able to survive the life. The Bible says he became poor. Jesus became poor that we might be rich. And so he's already paid that. The work done on Calvary, the work done on the cross, was not only to procure salvation for us. The Bible says that we're convinced of better things or other things that accompany salvation. Part of the things that accompany salvation is your financial liberation. And God makes that way, and he's able to solve things and clear things. But we also need to know that God works in principles. And there are financial principles, even within the scriptures, that we need to understand. Now, if you read the book of Luke, I'm coming back to the story of the woman. The book of Luke, chapter 16. There was the servant who was unjust, well, who was unfaithful, and he had incurred a lot of debt. What do I mean? He had given out his master's goods, and he wasted them according to the scriptures. And he was told that the master was going to come, and he wanted his servant to account for his stewardship. And what did happen? The man realized that he, he could not work, he could not talk, he could not, he could not labor, so he needed to secure his own future. So he went to all the, the debtors. This time around, he was debtors. In the woman's case, he was creditors. So he went to the debtors and struck deals with them in such a way that he could buy favor from them. And in that way, there was a win-win for all parties because already there was a bad debt incurred. And the owner of those, that business realized, the master of the house realized that he had lost and he was going to you know, get rid of his servants. And so he was able to claw back something for him and he was able to secure a deal and give discounts to the, to the debtors. And for himself, he bought favor. So in all of this is a win-win. Now, this, the, the, the thing I actually want to bring out of this, if you actually look at the story in Luke chapter 16 from verse 1 to 13, that Jesus Christ commended this just judge, I mean, this unjust servant. And why would he do that? And he said this was a man who, who dealt shrewdly, shrewdly. I mean, he understood, of course, that the owner was a shrewd man, a man who did not mix business with sentiments. A man who understood that, hey, once it's business, it's business. There are, there, are, there are things around sentiments because a lot of the times when it comes to financial matters, Christians in particular, we are always sentimental about financial matters. And this man recognized that, well, I know this man is a very shrewd man. He's somebody who has a penchant for profitability, a man who had penchant for results. And so is God. God expects results. And so the man went and then secured something for his master. And his master was impressed by his act. Now, Jesus Christ in verse 10 and 11 actually was then referring to this act. And he says, in, in, in verse 10, he says that the children of this world 
are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And so you find that, that sometimes people who don't even know God do well financially. They are not as, you know, as stressed as sometimes you find the people of God because there are financial principles that they observe. But Jesus Christ in this parable drew a conclusion that financial matters are small matters. And he said that if we can't be faithful in small matters as this, how can we then, you know, handle weightier things, riches that God commits to us? So from God's perspective, financial matters are small matters. So as a man of God, God would expect that for you to be able to handle weighty things and handle, you know, things that are spiritual, heavy and, and great treasures, he should have been able to manage his own finances, which Jesus required to as smaller matters. So a lot of the times, we as Christians need to understand that while we wait for God's intervention, there are principles and rules we need to understand about finances. It's not sentiments. It's not sentiments. It's about having a clear understanding of what the scripture says, what the principles are. There are principles of sowing and reaping. There are principles of working and getting results. So you don't expect that you sit back at home and expect manna to fall from heaven. God's principles are clear. And so as much as we would expect the Jericho experience, that we will run around and walk around the, the, the whole wall of Jericho and expect the wall of Jericho to fall down flat, there are still instructions to obey. There are things to, to, to look out for. There are things to, to go after. God actually instructed them to go around Jericho. And they needed to obey God in accordance with what God told them. And as they obeyed God and exerted themselves in obedience to what God said, the miracle happened. So miracles don't just happen. Miracles follow after principles. And when you act and position yourself to act in the way that God has set, you will surely find yourself in a place of miracle. So it was an aberration. The man had had, he didn't know how to handle financial matters. And it's important that we all know how to handle financial matters. As I'm speaking right now, that why a number of people in debt, you're owing. And I, and I know there are some people who borrow and they're very sweet-tongued when they borrow. I mean, they, they tell you all the nice stories. And when it is time to pay and they come to, you know, however, whatsoever, they start to speak grammar and they actually become aggressive in the process. That is not the glory of God. God does not want you to be a debtor that is in great reproach. But the good thing is that debt is itself is not a bad idea. Debt is not a bad idea. The woman came to Elijah and said, Elisha, this is a good man. So it's not enough to just be a good man. It's not enough to just be, oh, you fear the Lord. And that is why in the Christian fold, we have a lot of people who are working hard and doing all they can for God, but they are still suffering financially. That is not God's intention for you. That's not God's purpose for you. God wishes that we get out of these financial struggles because he knows these things, we have need of them. Just the same way a father would know that his children need bread. And he would not give them serpent or would not give them, you know, stones for bread. So God would not in any way do that. I believe that heaven is ready to be a blessing. I believe that heaven is open to everyone. I believe that the blessings of God is open. I believe in the power of grace. I believe in the God part of financial prosperity. 
I believe that so strongly. I have been a witness. I have just not just been a witness. I have been a partaker of the largesse of God's grace. Because there is grace available that can help you excel financially and pull you out of the dungeons of poverty. You can come out of it. And so here was a woman, a widow, who needed to stand firm and say, I, I can do something. I must do something. I love the courage of this woman because she understood that there's solution. Whatever it is that you face, there's solution. She, she had an option to do a few other things. She had an option to go begging. Begging is not of God. It's not really. That's not God. Bible says you shall lend and not borrow. You shall not be a beggar when God has made you a giver. And she refused to do that. She knew that somehow, somehow, there is a solution. And so she went to the man of God. It wasn't going to the man of God to get aid. It wasn't going to get aid. A lot of the times when we have financial difficulties, we are looking to that person who can support us financially. Of course, Elijah had no money. Well, I don't think that he was wealthy. There was no account of Elijah being wealthy, even though he had access to wealthy people. He had access to the likes of Naaman that would promise him a whole lot of, you know, of, 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 of financial reward. Elisha was not such a man that had money in his treasury, but he had access. He had the, the power. He had the anointing. He had the wherewithal to open doors for financial breakthrough. So she knew that this man was not the kind of man that would give me money, but this was the kind of man that would offer me a solution. What you're looking for is a solution. Where is that place where I can get that advice? Where is that place I can get that word, that instruction as to what I must do to get out of this situation? It was a very precarious situation for this woman. And she needed to get out of poverty. And I'm sure as the man was borrowing, the husband was borrowing, it seemed like life was fair for them, but it did not come to, 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 to clear recognition or clear understanding that they were living off debts. If you're living off debts, you're living off things borrowed. You're actually saving up for a bad day in the future. And you can find a way out of it. And so she came to Elijah and said, to, and, said and, and he said, what shall I do for you? Elijah says, what shall I do for you? There's something that somebody can do for you. That thing is not giving you money. That thing is actually giving you a solution which is not necessarily money. Tell me. What do you have in your house? That was what Elisha asked her. What do you have in your house? Elisha was so certain that there is something in your house. Something, quote and unquote, in your house. Something that you have that is the solution. Every solution for every issue lies within you. When God created the earth, he put the solution, the healing, the, 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 the medication, whatever it is. The earth in itself is it's sustaining. It's self-sustaining. God has created you as a person to be self-sustaining. The Bible says, children, little children, you are God. You have inside you what it takes to get out of your problem. And therefore, the solution is right there in your hands. What do you have? What do you have? Elisha was so certain, and he was not going to say, okay, so you take this. You take this and solve your problem. And she says, well, you, you must have something. Do not belittle yourself. 
And do not look down on yourself because no matter the situation, this was completely their situation. It was a complete zero situation, a zero position. And he asked that woman, what do you have? He said, I have nothing. You see how we, we actually respond to things? I have nothing. I have nothing but. But before I get to but, I have nothing. Oftentimes, our initial response is I have nothing. Somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, I want to start a business. I ask them, what do you have? They say, well, I don't have anything. I say, well, go and come back until you get something. In every investment, that is what is called the seed capital. There must be something that the investee or the, the owner of the business must have to start up a business. You, cannot, you, you are wasting your time. You say you want to start a business and you expect, you tell, you tell people what, and, they, and they ask you what you have. You say, I have nothing. No one would actually invest in you when they see that you have nothing to offer. So Elijah looked at the woman and said, indeed, you have something to offer. What do you have in your hand? The woman's first response, like every other response, is nothing. People are often quick to say nothing. And the reason they're quick to say nothing is that they are looking at money. Can I tell you, money is just one aspect of a resource. Money is useless when there is no value that the money is attached to. And for every monetary value, there is a tangible or intangible object to which that money is attached. And she looked at that woman. Listen, even if I had all money yesterday, I was just combing my, 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 my study room. And I, it fell out of a, a, one of the books that I had there, an old 20 naira note. And I looked at it and smiled, looking very crisp, the same old 20 naira note. And immediately my mind flashed back. Oh, I remember when this actually bought me quite a huge stuff. 20 naira was a lot of money at the time. But here was I looking at paper worthless. Money is just paper. It's worthless. The, what gives money value is the item, is the tangible item that money can buy. And can I tell you something? You may not have money in your pocket, but you have something of value. And he asked that woman, what do you have? Oh, well, I have nothing, but I think I have a cruise of oil. I'm not sure why she thought about the cruise of oil. She could have thought about every other thing. Maybe I have a bed, or I have a, 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 I have a, I have a mat, or I have a chair, or I have something. She would have thought of other assets. But she thought of something, and I think her mind was actually very sharp to realize that what Elisha was asking of was something that could potentially bring more value. There are some assets that you have are just there that are depreciating, they are languishing. I don't see any reason for a car if it's only to take you out and come in. But I tell you, the same car can be a car that can actually open up doors for you. And so you have car in, in your house. What would you do with that car? Oh yes, I drive around and then, and then make a show. But you haven't seen that car as a potential earner. You haven't seen that car as something that you could turn into wealth. God will not open heaven and pour manna anymore. And even if he did pour manna, it's only for a while. It's not sustainable. Whatever you get, the fish you get today, you only eat it for today. It doesn't reach tomorrow. Manna will not last till tomorrow. What lasts till tomorrow is that asset that you have. Because asset has more than a year value. Asset can give you returns even in the future. Asset can actually expand and increase. And you have an asset in you. Whether tangible or intangible. You've got something in your hands. Elijah asked her, what do you have? The woman said, well, your, your, your maid servant has nothing in the house but just a jar of oil. That oil has two things. There is a jar and there's oil. There is a container 
and then there is this, there's, the, there's, the, there's the asset of value. Can I tell you something here? And if you'd listen to me, you have oil in your hands. And I wonder why she went oil. I, I love that power, oil. I, I love that word, oil. Oil represents anointing. It represents the, the presence and the power of God. But let's just leave that aside. We'll come, come back to it. Oil means nothing except the breath of God comes upon it. Oil means nothing except the power of God come upon it. There is that little oil in your, in your life. And that oil is the breath of God in your life. And as long as you have life, you have an asset. You have an oil. You have something inside you. And the woman said, I have a cruise of oil, a jar of oil. And he said, go borrow, go borrow. Now, there are two things here. The issue was created by borrowing. The solution is also by borrowing. It was created by borrowing. The man went borrowed, and he couldn't pay back. And the woman, he said, go borrow. What is the difference between borrowing by the man, by the husband, and borrowing by the woman? The man borrowed to consume. The woman borrowed to generate more. The woman borrowed for investment purposes. And the man borrowed for consumption purposes. Oftentimes when we borrow, what do we do with what we borrow? What potential does what we borrow have to create another value? And Elijah said, go borrow. I borrow. I do borrow. I have bank loans. But can I tell you something? I do not owe yet. Not because I am not able to pay or not, sorry, not because I do not have loans to pay, but because I know that there are potential to generate sufficient to repay. And that is why every bank will check your credit worthiness. Every bank will check your ability to pay. Every bank will ask you, what do you have? They will seek for a collateral because they want to check your capacity to repay. You may not have all the money currently. Of course, if you had all the money, you would not need to borrow. But what they are looking for is your capacity to generate, your capacity to actually have money, your capacity to, to your income generation capacity or potential. A man said, go borrow. And she went and borrowed. Now, what was she going to borrow? Vessels. What's a vessel container? A container has the capacity to contain and retain, right? It's the packaging. It's the, it's the reservoir upon which the content stays. Now, your container is your capacity. If you read through the story as we read, Elijah, I mean, said to the woman, go borrow. The woman borrowed. And what played out? As soon as she borrowed, Elijah said to her, go lock yourself, pour the oil. And as long as the, the vessels were there, the, 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 the oil was multiplying. And the Bible says, as soon as the vessels finished, the oil stopped. The oil stayed. In other words, the extent to which she could, be, she could multiply financially was dependent on her capacity to retain. Was dependent on her capacity to carry the oil. Can I tell you, you can't, you can't excel. The limits, we're often limited as Christians because we forget that financial prosperity and financial excellence comes through evolution and expansion of our capacity. If we don't have sufficient capacity, then we are limited. And what is your capacity? It starts with what do you have? Your brain capacity. Your ability to think through. Your ability to handle stuff. And the only way, one of the only ways you can increase your capacity is to learn. Is to get to train. How do you want to excel if you're not ready to attach yourself to a place of learning? How do you want to excel in a place of business if you're not ready to join yourself with another successful businessman and learn the ways of success? 
There is a place for learning. There is a place for improvement. There is a place of increase in your potential. Can I tell you what makes the, the, the man out there in the world better than us? Because he's increased his capacity to excel. It increases capacity to excel. Your capacity to excel includes your knowledge, your skill, and how you acquire the skill to excel. And so sometimes we organize skills acquisition programs and people, well, it just won't talk, talk, talk. Your capacity is beyond hearing. It's about putting to practice what you learn. Elijah said to the woman, close the door. And so there's a place to, to gather. When you're gathering vessels, there's a place to gather. There's another place to shut the door. What does shutting the door mean? Shut the door is everything you have gathered, synthesize. Prepare them and bring to use. So it's a place of incubation. It's a place of engaging. It's a place of allowing the spirit of God to brood over your life. What can I do in this situation? You are in production mode. She shut the door behind her. She was in some form of isolation. Can I tell you? The place of making is not the place of the open. The place of, I mean, of, of financial breakthrough is not a place of the open. It's so people whom God is blessing financially are people who are there in their closet. Are people who are there in the wilderness. Are people who are there in the secret place. Are people who are there building, exerting efforts. She was busy with her son. She was hardworking. And she was working out a solution. Lock the door. I don't care what form of distraction comes my way. I'm shutting my mind. It is for those women business that can get out of their financial distress so that God will be glorified. God doesn't just pour oil or doesn't just pour anointing or bring intervention of a man who is not ready to do something. You must do something. Say to yourself, I'm ready to do something. Do something. She shut herself out. And she sat there with her, ch her children. And said, give me, give me the first one. She poured it. Give me the second one. She poured it. And she realized, I wish that woman had known. I wish she had known what the capacity meant. She could have earned more. She could have gone more. So when she said borrow, the man of God said, not a few, not a few. Listen, there is no limit to how much you can learn. There's no limits to... God gave us an elastic mind, elastic brain capacity. Listen, there is no limit to what you can learn. Even if you are succeeding in one trade, one skill, the next set of skill acquisition is just by the corner, waiting you for you to engage. Nothing, nothing, nothing really, nothing is, is, is limited when it comes to the human capacity. And as long as you are engaging the grace of God, you are engaging the life of God, you are engaging the power of God, you are engaging God's ability, can I tell you there is no limit whatsoever to what you can acquire. Increase your capacity. Go out there and learn something. Ask somebody what he's doing. As long as it's legitimate, it is of God. Once you've prayed about it, you've received instruction. There is a time of incubation. There is a time of apprenticeship. There is a time of learning. That is the time you lock the door. Lock the door. Shut down every, every frivolity. Some of, and, and it's so, 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 so sad that some Christians are involved in a facade. Show making. You don't have anything in your pocket, but there's a show off. You need to find yourself that closure. You need to find yourself that enclosure as well. And find a place where you say, God, between you and I, things must change. Engage with the Holy Spirit. 
I have drawn so much of capacity from the grace of God. The Bible says the grace of God is sufficient for you. It gives you the ability that no other person has. I know that as a child of God, you have better capacity. You have your raw brain, but then the grace of God is available to you. And so you have double capacity. Like Elisha had a double portion of the anointing. You've got that, which it takes that God gave you naturally. And you've got the supernatural behind you. You can end your poverty. And the Bible says as soon as she finished, time is going down. I mean, I, mean, I, I wouldn't use the word down. My time is ex- expiring right now. Maybe not expiring. It's my friend. Amen. And sometimes we, 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 walk with, we, we talk about time. Time, they say, is money. So every time you spend, what do you do with the time? So miracles don't just happen. Miracles are not magic. Miracles work under certain conditions and principles. But I believe today, as the Lord is challenging you, there is a word that is coming to you right now. There's something God is sowing in your ears, sowing in your heart. I'm going to pray. And as I'm praying, the grace of God that I have received, I have enjoyed the grace for financial abundance. I have enjoyed the grace. But again, God had to take me through a time of capacity building. There were times that I had nothing, absolutely nothing. Five years after school, I had no job, nothing. The people are losing their jobs. But then God is creating in you the power to not just be an employee, but an employer. There's an idea he's putting behind your head. There's an idea he's putting in your mind today. And that only idea is your oil. That oil is that which you need to go and cook. That oil you need to do to close the door and develop capacity for. Did I tell you, once you come out with your product, people will look out for you. As soon as she was done, she came out with her product. He said, the man of God now has built capacity. What must I do? Now is the time to go. There's a time to shut the door. And there's a time to go. There's a time for planning. There's a time for execution. There's a time for incubating. There's a time for, 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 for out there in the market. There's a time to be within. And there's a time to be outside. A lot of people are too quick to go out. You have a little idea. You want to go out there. You have a little idea. I want to go borrow money. But how incubated, how strong has it cooked enough? Have you finished filling the vessels? Have you sure that you've reached that height of capacity? Don't be too quick to enter the market. The road to the market is not a smooth road. And once you went to the man of God, the man of God said, okay, now you're ready. You must get to that point where you're ready. There are a lot of things that come to market are premature. And that is why a lot of things that don't survive. You have a product, you have not engaged yourself. This and build quality around your product. Build quality about us around the things you do. Spend time. There's that time that you need to spend indoors, spend behind the doors, shutting the door against yourself, and building that quality. It is called value. People don't pay for product, they pay for value. They don't pay just for service, they pay for value. They don't pay for efforts, they pay for value. Once she had done the best oil in town, and can I tell you something? The oil she had was what was replicated. They only replicated the oil she had is what you have that you replicate. Nemo that quote, none I bet. You cannot give what you don't have. What you have is what grows. I ask a question. What is it that you have? If she had a corrupted oil, she would be selling corrupted oil. Many of us are multiplying corruption. And that is why we are not surviving in business. Christians, shameful thing to say that some of us Christians cut corners. Some of us Christians have corrupted our oil. You can't have a corrupted oil and expect to excel. Even if the oil multiplied and you have billions of barrels of oil, if the oil is corrupted, people will not buy. 
but she had a good oil. Your oil must be good. Your product must be, un must be un 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 uncompromised. It must be unstained. It must have the value that is needed. Because when you go out there, people buy it. Your product speaks for itself. Engage yourself. And she said she went, she sold, she paid her debt. Elijah said, sell it, pay your debt, and the rest. Take care of your children. So there is surplus that she generated. Now, a lot of the times, when even Christians borrow, they have no plan to repay. That's a shameful thing. The power of God will not call upon a man who will, who will, who will, who will swindle his own brother. And that is why today, so many Christians today have gone apathy because somebody borrowed from them and then came with, came with stories. They came, brother, I want to start something. Can you help me? Because we are church, we are brothers. If you go to a microfinance house, how much interest would the microfinance take? But the brother has given you free. He's not even asked for interest. And yet, time to repay, you're not able to pay. How can God bless you? There has to be a lot of repentance today because God will not command his fire upon a corrupted altar. Elijah repaired the altar. And then he called fire from heaven and fire came. There cannot be fire when your altar is corrupted. If you are practicing sharp, if you are involved in sharp practicing and unwholesome business, today I speak unto you, it's time for repentance. Be ready to pay your debt. Do not ask God to forgive your debts per se. Yes, there are times where there is debt forgiveness, but you must have a plan to repay. If you don't have a plan to repay, some people are already planning not to repay. God's blessing doesn't come upon that. Today I speak upon you as my time begins, as I begin to round down, to round, round up today. I'm speaking upon you because I carry the grace of God as well. I am very convinced of the grace of God that he has given to me. And as long as you're listening to me that now and in this process and in this hour, there's the grace of God coming upon you. That man was a righteous man, was a righteous man when it comes to the things of the work of God, but was not a righteous man when it comes to paying back debts. He was not actually a righteous man because he borrowed, had no plan to repay. He was a wicked man that left his wife and his children in debt. If you're a man here and incurring debt and you're waiting for your children to pay, where does a bit of problem? And that is the problem we have to ourselves as a nation. We're born. We have no plan to repay. The children unborn and the future unborn is actually what we are incurring those debt for to actually pay those debts. That is not a great leader. That is not a great nation. You need to then think about it that in your time, when you borrow, you pay. Praise the Lord. I want to pray for you. I want to give your life to Christ. There's grace available now that I'm going to pray. You want God to come into your life. You want Jesus Christ to come and say, you are struggling as well. I mean, just like every other person struggles. It's not because you're, you're, you're in charge of God that, that things suddenly turn around financially, but because you also put this principle in practice. But what does it gain? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his whole soul? So you may actually have, have profit, profiting from all of this message and you, oh, suddenly there's breakthrough, financial blessing. But also you need your life secured in Christ Jesus for eternity to recognize you when that time comes. Lift your voice and say, Father, I have sinned. I know that I am not a child of God. I know that I am not worthy of you. Today, I ask for forgiveness. I ask that you would forgive me my sins and bring my name into the book of life. Lord, I pray today that the Jesus, that the Jesus that I've heard today, who can turn things around, will come into my life and turn things around. Turn my life around, that in spirit, my soul will prosper and financially I prosper. I'm going to pray over everyone at the sound of my voice today. 
The power of poverty over your life is broken. Even the poverty of the mind. Financial impoverishment begins from the mind. If the mind is poor, if the mind is not informed, if the mind is not in, 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 in the right place, if the mind lacks capacity, it does not flourish. So today I pray over you today that God will open your mind and open your spirit and cause there to be rain, rain of abundance over your life. You're loosed from that financial predicament. In Jesus' name you have prayed. Amen. Thank you for listening to me. I wish you the rest of the program. I wish you great encounters having a Jericho experience. God bless you. Thank you very much. My name once again is Cyril Azobu, lead pastor at Christ for All Mission Sifa. God bless you. We pray you have been blessed by the word of God you received today. For prayers or counseling, our doors are always open. We invite you to worship with us at the Overcomers Church World Outreach. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website, www.overcomersgrace.org. We look forward to seeing you at our next service. God bless you in Jesus' name.